Welcome to another inspirational message from Fields Church. And what we're doing as a church at the moment is going through a series called the I Am Project. And we've been inspired by a lady called Heather Rogers. And we've got our workbook here. And there will be different aspects we'll be covering over the next few weeks with a break or two for CYM and others. And there are sessions about I am not, I am good, I am loved, many more. But this morning, I'm going to speak about being I am strong. Now, I feel this is a little bit out of sequence with the others because we really don't know how strong we are until we, we as Christians, we gain our strength from whom we're connected to. God isn't asking us to be strong in our own right. He's asking us to draw our strength from, from him and to be connected to him. And seeing who we are. But in that process, we need to know how much we're loved, don't we? To be secure in that relationship. We need to know how much we're forgiven. How much we're accepted. How much he is for us on that journey. And out of that connection, that relationship, that love, we become strong. But as I thought about it, I thought... What I would like to share a bit about this morning in regards being strong is in relation to my own life, the process that God has been taking me through, or some of the processes God has been taking me through to, to, for me to be recognized I'm a stronger person. Because if we understand the process, it will be applicable to all the other areas that we're going to be hearing about, and we need to apply the same process yeah. to other areas which we'll be hearing about over the next few weeks. Does that make sense? Yeah, good. When you think about it, when, for those of you who are familiar with, with the early history of the Jewish people, for a long while they, were, they lived in a country called Egypt. And they were held in captivity for a substantial period of that time and became enslaved to the Egyptians. And they were there for 400 years. And God took them out of captivity and took them on a journey. And they had to leave behind the previous identity that they had as slaves and assume a new identity in God. And we're going to follow a little bit of that journey. And I'm going to personalize it to my own life. Now, to help us on that journey, I want to do a little thought experiment with us this morning. Are you up for this? Yeah. yeah. Now, how many of you at school, when the teacher asked a question, knew the answer, but didn't put your hand up because you didn't want to be embarrassed or, or to appear like the school SWAT or the teacher's pet? So you knew the answer, but inside there was an, eternal, there was an internal hand that was just itching to go up, wasn't there? Now, I want you to use, remember that hand this morning and use that hand. I don't want to see any hands, any physical hands going up this morning, but I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to either put your in, eternal, internal hand up or leave it down. Are you okay? Is that clear? Okay. So here's the question. 
would you say you are a strong person? Now, I want you to be honest with yourself. That's why I'm not asking for a show of hands, so you're not embarrassed, you're not thinking what other people are going to think. I want you to be honest with yourself. And, and, and be, because it's going to help you if you are honest and say, am I a strong person? Would I say I'm a strong person? Okay? <coughs> All hands gone up? Good. I'm going to ask you another question now, and I want you to respond again in a similar way. Would you say you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you have been born again? Hands up or hands down? Okay. Right, if you were a person here who put your hand or didn't put your hand up to either of those, I want to say something to you at the end of the message. So remind me, because I have some good news. But don't let me forget. For those of you who put your hand up to the latter question about being a Christian, but didn't put your hand up to the first question about being strong, I would like to ask you another question. To what did you refer as the evidence or authority in your life that suggested you were not strong? Where did you go to determine that answer? It's a very important question. It might be because we don't know who we are in Christ. And part of what we are sharing this, in this period will be to illustrate that. But I'm not going to talk so much about who we are in Christ. I could talk about being strong. I could give you all the scriptures in, in the Bible about being strong. And you could still go away from here feeling weak. It would, it would be head knowledge, but it wouldn't really affect you deep down because there's another authority that you're running to above what I'm saying to you. Does that make sense? And we all have it. It's that deep part of us that has been built up over the years and ingrained and, and, and established through experiences and what people have said and done and, and what we thought and, and impressions and so on. And I've talked a bit about this before when we're talking about behaviours and addictions. And it's applicable here, very much so. Because if you have been born again by his spirit, as a Christian, you are in covenant relationship with the living God. God in a very real way, is with you and in you by his Holy Spirit. If God who made the universe and the stars and all that is in it, he made the life on this world and the beauty of it, if that God who has demonstrated his power and majesty for all to see 
lives in you and is covenanted to you, what does that make you? Yeah. It makes you strong. And that is what our Father wants us to see about ourselves, that I am strong because of who is in me. So what was it that you were running to if you didn't come to that conclusion? If you weren't the... There's probably, there might be one or two people who perhaps put their hand up to both questions and say, yes, I am strong and yes, I am a believer. I, I, I suspect there might not be many <laughs> did that this morning. But hopefully at the end of the today, we'll all be putting our hands up to both. We have to be honest about this. Because if we're going to go on this journey with God, we, all have, we have to start at the same place. We can't, we can't pretend with God. He, he won't walk with us. If he says to, to, to you, let's start from here, where I see you need to start from, rather than from here, where I want to pretend to God, look, I'm not as bad as I... How often do we think, um, oh Lord, we, we see this, to illustrate this, you know, if we, if we mess up and sin and do something wrong, early in the Christian we say, Lord, forgive me, I won't do that again. Have you ever said that, anybody? I won't do that again. And Father is not interested in the fact you won't do it again or not. He wants to know why you did it in the first place. <laughs> but we don't address that, do we? We, we? we want to start from somewhere else. Oh, yeah, I'm not that bad, really. I've just, I just messed up. I'll be better next time. And Father is saying, no, you're not better. That's the whole point. You wouldn't have done it if you were better. You did it because you started... You don't realise that you are starting from the wrong place, but I want to start with you, where you are. I've got a little personal illustration for me, uh, about me, to, to illustrate this. Many years ago, when I was younger, um, I just started to, to sort of accept some responsibility on the farm. And some of you have heard this story before, so forgive me for repeating it. But I think it perfectly illustrates the point I want to make, and, and there are others here who haven't heard it, so... That's my excuse. But many years ago, I, I was on the farm and these, these traveller types came onto the farm and uh, I fell for the old story, look, mate, we've got, we're doing the roadworks job down the road and we've got some tarmac left over. You know, would you like it? We'll do it, sell it to you cheap. And uh, they said, you can have this load of tarmac for such a price. I thought, great, you know, a bit of tarmac in the yard, look nice, that'll be great. I said, yes. Signed a little piece of paper with a, with a figure on. And when they, they came and laid the tarmac, and afterwards they said, well, now can you pay us? And they, and they didn't want the, the price that they said for the whole job. They said, oh, that's the price per square metre. And, you know, the piece of paper I'd signed, they'd put their thumb over the bit where it says per square metre, and they held the pad, you know, so I signed it. Didn't see that bit. I was, I was, I was naive. And gullible. But in consequence of that, they started to intimidate me into paying more than I thought I'd agreed. And these were big guys. There were several of them. And they were very threatening and intimidating. And I was afraid. And uh, to cut a long story short, we did agree to pay a price. We sort of negotiated it and paid the price. But it was quite a traumatic experience. I just, 
And um, I discovered afterwards that uh, one of them was a professional boxer, just to give you some idea of the kind of people who were in my face, quite literally. At the end of the day, when the sort of the, the trauma of the whole experience had um, subsided a bit, I was upstairs and, I, and I, I can remember then calling out to God, then, saying, what's going on here? Why did this happen? You know, why did this happen to me? And you would think in a situation like that, you would get some sort of comfort and sympathy for what you've been through. And I noticed God speaking to me because this thought came right out of left field and it was not on my radar at all. It's one of those rare occasions. I don't want to give the impression that God speaks to me all the time, but, but occasionally he, he breaks in and you know it's him because it's just so out of how you would normally think, an expectation. And, and he came to me with a question. And he said, why did you forget me in that situation? You know, I was looking for God for help, but he was turning it around and said, why did you forget me? And I realized that if somebody was to ask me who I was in Christ, I could have told them. But in the trauma, in the crisis of a situation, the reality of what I knew came out. And I didn't realize, and I'd forgotten, I hadn't realized, you know, it's not until we're put into pressure situations often there's a true us, where, where our true belief system's anchored. Yeah. Does it come out, does it? Yeah, it's true. And that's what God was getting at, at me. He was, he, he, it sounded at first like an accusation. Well, why did you forget me? How dare you? But I realized, no, it wasn't that. He, he knew all along where I was at with him. But he wanted me to see it. And that was the point. And I could have done, I could, what I could have done in that situation is made excuses. I said, yeah, Lord, but, you know, I was, it was a swindling situation. Don't you realize there were more of them? They were big guys. They were big guys. And, um, and I could have evaded it by, by excuses. The, the, the negative buts. There were good buts and there were bad buts. And that, and that would have been a bad but. And what I realized what I had to do in that situation was to put my hand up and say, yes, Lord, I acknowledge that I don't know you as well as I thought I did. And do you know what that did? That put me in a, in a, in a position where I was with, in agreement with God. And he said, right, now you're in a place where we can go on this journey now because we're in agreement. I'm not trying to pretend to Father that I'm something more than I am. And that's what we often do, isn't it, as Christians in these situations. We hear something like we've heard this morning, said, I'm, 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 going to, I'm not going to believe that anymore. But we haven't realized that we, we have to address and confess and acknowledge where, where the roots of our problems often lie. And the, the children of Israel, they were on their journey and they didn't come to this point. They kept making excuses for the position that they're in. And God took them out of Egypt 
I think we all mostly know the story how God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. Amazing miracles, amazing demonstrations of power. And then he brought them into the wilderness and again amazing deliverances. And then they brought them to the promised land. And on that journey, God had been speaking to them continually. He say, and he was saying things like this. You, I love you. I'm taking you by the hand and leading you out. Even to Abraham, for uh, many, many years earlier, he had said, I, your, your descendants will go down into Egypt. Right? They will be there 400 years, and then I will deliver them. Other prophets said the same thing. Joseph, remember Joseph? Who delivered us? He knew that. And he said to, to, the, to his brothers and sisters, when I die, he said, embalm my body, put it in a tomb, and when God delivers you and takes you back, take my body with you. So it was clear God, what the intention was. And when Moses came, he spoke to them again. He said, I'm taking you out now. This is the time. This is where I'm taking you and I'm delivering you in. And through the journey, he kept on saying this and repeating it. Can you say God was saying, speaking to them as a people continually? And not only was he speaking to them continually, they were seeing demonstrations of power along the journey. And yet they get to the promised land and they're faced with people that were bigger than them in their own eyes. And they said, we can't go up. How often in our lives do we hear messages about who we are in Christ Jesus and yet we come to a position in our life and we still say to ourselves, oh, I can't do that. I'm afraid. I'm weak. That's not who I am, even if God is saying, yes, it is. This is what I'm calling you into. What needs to change? One, we need to be honest. So when we are in that situation, we don't come up with excuses as to justify staying there. Be honest with God and say, yes, Lord, this is how I'm thinking. I acknowledge it before you. Puts you in a good starting place. Because God can take you and work with you from there. He won't, he won't take you from where you're not. Our beliefs and our understanding of who we are are rooted really deeply. They're very, very strong. And they take work to cut those, we talked about cutting those trees down, doesn't it? It takes work, taking an axe to cut down, allowing God to work in us. And, I'm, and I have spoken before about two types of confession, about the confession of acknowledgement of what we need before God, but also the confession of his word. And when the Israelites came to the promised land, ten of the spies had one confession, and, ten of the, and two spies had another confession.
So the ten spies said, so these are the men who had gone up with them, said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. You know, they're just seeing God deliver them from the biggest superpower in the world, the Egyptian army. Just seeing them um, washed into the sea. And yet they're still, they're still their identity of who, how they saw them, that slave mentality yeah. was still in there. Um, we can't attack these people. I'm, just read, I'm reading this from Numbers 13, if you want to write this down. Numbers 13. Um, read this story when you get home, between Numbers 13 and Numbers 14. But they said, um, I'm reading from verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land and they, that had explored. They said, The land we explored devours, devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. And we saw giants in the land. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Wow. Well, they, who is it who said this morning, you know, is it um, Kimini? You know, sometimes you look at people and they seem so cool. Yeah. Got it together. Yeah. It makes you feel so inadequate sometimes. You who are a son of God, born again believer, you upon whom the love of God rests and his Holy Spirit indwells. This is who you are. You are the cool guys. You are the cool guys. You know on how social media people like to look cool and look their best. There's a scripture in Ephesians where it talks about and God will demonstrate his grace to all of creation through his church. We are, going to, we are the cool guys. Yeah, it might not appear on the outward surface at the moment, but we are. And how do we know we are? Because of what he says. Yeah, right. Not what I say, yeah. but what he says. But Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, is he pleased with us? Yeah. Through his son Jesus Christ? Um, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. The Lord is with us. Do you see where Joshua's strength lay? God wasn't saying to Joshua, you're strong, but Joshua recognized God's with us. Yeah, it makes a difference, doesn't it? God's with me. What are you going to say when you're faced with a difficult situation? What's going to come out of your heart in a time of crisis? And God allows these times, but not to, not to um, condemn us, but to help us to see where we are and where we need to go. We need to ask for help for where we are. So being honest is one of those journeys. And, and the other thing I want to share a bit about is this whole area of feelings. 
Because when I talked about this authority that you probably ran to, if you didn't put your hand up, most likely it has, its, it has a lot of its foundation in how you feel. Many, we live in a society today that um, is a feeling-orientated society, isn't it? So questions about truth are not so relevant as to how you feel about something. So there, there are no, there's no object um, sense of, of what's right or wrong. What makes it good or not is how you, ref how you feel about it. And I despair at the laziness of many um, broadcasters and interviewers that go up to somebody in a crisis and say, well, what do you feel about this situation? You, know, it's, you can almost bet the first question is going to be, what do you feel? Not what you think, not what you say, but what you feel. It's interesting when Paul wrote his letters and he outlined an argument, at the end of it, he didn't say, well, what do you feel about that? <laughs> no, I don't think you'll find it. Yeah. I, I'm here to be, I'm here to be um, proved wrong, but what I have seen is Paul would say, well, what do you say yeah, that's good. about that? And that's why when I first asked the question about would you say you are strong, I use that word deliberately say. Because sometimes we don't feel, often we don't feel strong. That's good, Andrew. Yeah. But God is after what we say about ourselves, not what we feel about ourselves. And when I was on this journey of coming out of depression, and it is a journey, there came to a point where he, I was beginning to put into practice these lessons about confessing and, and, and speaking into my own life in, uh, as a, um, a process of um, establishing a, a better understanding heart of who I am in Christ inside of me. But one morning, one morning amongst several others, I woke up feeling really depressed and bad again. And it was, it's often in the mornings at the hardest, aren't they? And... Uh, I was beginning to question myself about, you know, was I making progress in this? Am I really, is this really working? You know, I feel terrible this morning. And it was another one of those occasions, that particular morning, when that thought dropped into my mind. And it's like the Lord saying to me, I'm not going to judge you today by how you feel. I'm going to judge you today by what you say. And at that as a revelation, something broke that day. And, and, and I, I began to look at my feelings in a, more, um, in a more distant way. You know, I was, I was looking at them. There's, there's a word for it. It just escapes my mind now. But where you, it's almost like I, my feelings I could sort of take from outside of me and look at them as a separate entity and say, well, you, you are not me. You know, I, I, you're not my identity. You're, you're, you're a symptom mm. rather than a reality. Yeah. You know, if, if, you, if, you, if you itch, you've got a wound and, and it irritates, your temptation is to scratch it, isn't it? And the more you scratch it, the more it hurts. And it becomes a vicious circle. Mm. And that's what happens with our feelings. The worse we feel, the more we we dwell on our feelings, and that exacerbates the feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So, when does a healing process start? 
when the feeling's gone or when you stop scratching? When you stop scratching. And that's what like Father was saying to me, you've stopped scratching. Don't worry yourself about when the feelings will come into order, they will. Just like a wound will heal. But you've stopped scratching, don't go back to scratching again. Which is what we do. When I was a boy, um, I had a neighbour, Sarah, and she was horse mad. And she had her own pony, and she kept it on a paddock on the farm where we go camping. And, uh, and she would often try and encourage me to try and learn to ride this pony against my better judgment at the time. But she, she was a very persuasive girl, and she persuaded me. Do you know, I discovered something about that horse that it had a will of its own, it seemed to. It was quite strong. It was only a pony, but for me, it seemed quite strong. And I had a job. I think it knew that I didn't know much about horses. And I had a job to actually get it to go where I wanted it to go. And um, it would always want to go back to the paddock, to the grass, and to what it was familiar with. And I couldn't get it to go up the track and ride it, you know, and do fun things with a horse that it was meant to do. And, and I had to learn that I had... I had to take control of that horse by something called a bit and a bridle. Yeah. And I had to be forceful with it. And if you think about a horse like your feelings, horses and feelings are very strong. And feelings and horses can take you where it wants to go, or where they want to go, rather than where you want to go. But in the same way that you can bring a horse under submission by its bit and bridle, you can bring your feelings into agreement by the Word of God. James says that exactly, doesn't he, in James? You know, the Word of God is like a bit in your mouth. And, but it takes... You, you need to work with a horse, you need to, to be strong, and you need to be commanding and, and take control. And we have to do that with our feelings. And do you know what happens then? The horse takes you where you want to go, yeah, that's right. not you going where the horse wants to go. That's good. There's nothing wrong with feelings. They're God-given. Yeah. And they're important. And they're essential. And God wants us to have the feelings in him, but they, they need to be come under submission to the word of God. And that's why that song is so powerful that Emily sung so beautifully for us. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I think I'm falling short. And when I don't belong, you say... I am yours. That's why I love that song. Because it's putting our lives on a firm foundation. So when we hear this message, we need to be aware that God's words will come into conflict with strong-held feelings and ways about us. And I want to awaken you to that process to help you to understand and to um, move forward when we hear more about the different I am's.
this was the process, this was the journey that God was seeking to, to, to work with the Israelites when they were going through the wilderness. And it says, he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. Man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's what he's teaching us. But in that process, do you know what the Israelites, every time they, they met a difficulty, do you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to run back to Egypt. Just in the same way that horse I was trying to ride wanted to go back to that paddock where it thought the food was and where it was familiar and comfortable. And whenever we meet a crisis situation, the temptation is always to run back to what we're familiar with, to what we're comfortable with. And God is encouraging us today to be brave, to be strong, to take that journey with him. And realise that I am more than a conqueror through, through Christ Jesus. If God is for me, who can be against me? Nothing can separate me from the love of God. This is who we are in Christ Jesus. If you were that person who did not put your hand up to either question or persons, I want to encourage you this morning and give you some good news. You can start this journey with God. He wants to start this journey with you where you are. He's not asking you to, to get your life together and to get right and get this sorted out and get that sorted out before he wants to walk with you. He's saying, no, I want to walk with you from where you are now. I want to take you out of Egypt. I'll meet you in Egypt. I'll meet you where the pain is. I'll meet you where you're suffering and in bondage and I'll take you out and I want to take you on a journey of discovery and promise. And it's not difficult. In Romans, Paul says, it's not so high that you've got to go up to heaven. Yeah. You, you haven't got to live a life that's going to find yourself acceptable to God before he's going to accept you. Paul says it's not so low you have to go down to hell. You don't have to suffer anymore or, or, or pay penance for what you've been through. Christ has suffered that for you. He's paid the price. He's lived the holiest life and gone to heaven. He's paid the price for you. What do we need to do? What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, but, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Do you see the principle at work again? And, and, and Father is offering you the opportunity to believe in him today. And all he asks of you is to believe in him and confess your need to him today and ask him to join you on this journey. Father, can we just, can we just pray? Father, thank you for your love towards us. Thank you, Lord, 
that you're not telling us how to live this life, you're wanting to walk it with us every step of the way. And we've seen that so admirably demonstrated and expressed this morning through the testimony of those here in this church. And Father, I know you want others to join you with that journey. Your heart is big enough for every single one of us. Your love, in some ways, can never be satisfied. (laughs) You have enough love for everybody and more. Lord, help us to enjoy that love on this journey. Not to be ashamed of where we're at, but willing to go further. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. For more about Fields Church, visit fieldschurch.uk.